Welcome to the Rev Sarah Shares podcast for Sunday the 5th of November. Continuing with last week's theme about what it is to be a Christian, we explore what it means to practice what we preach. There's an opportunity to think about that as individuals, but also a church, with some insightful questions and perhaps some that might make us uncomfortable to answer. But again, are we about pleasing God or pleasing people? We'll hear a couple of texts from Joshua and then Matthew looking at leadership and authorisation a powerful teaching on humble leadership and a recognition that God, not church or person, gives us authority. I've included the call to worship unusually this week because Cameron and Logan, two of our young boys, leads us in it. And it is also another lectionary text for today. So thank you to Lynn for the readings and myself, Sarah, leads us in the reflection. Good morning and welcome to Worship on this Sunday, the 5th of November. Remember, remember the 5th of November. If you are able to enjoy the fireworks, perhaps later, wherever you might find yourself, I hope that you do. Uh, For those of you who find this a very stressful season as well, though, uh, please know that you're held in prayer. I hope, however, today finds you that it is a day of joy and celebration. For me, it's a celebration of my 19th anniversary of ordination, which would have been yesterday, the 4th of November. And I still wonder how to do this ministry lark that I've been called into, even after all of these years and this being my third charge in that time. You'd think by now I would know what I was doing. And I've often wondered at that sense of call that I have to be the minister or a minister, and yet, A bit like parenting, it doesn't really come with an instruction manual, although to be fair, there's certainly more information available on how to minister than there is on how to be a parent. But it is a learning experience each and every day. And I wanted us to tackle a little bit about what it means to be a leader. There is different vibes in our text today. There's something about um, humility, about being humble, about recognising that we are called by God. um, And there's something about that very wonderful phrase, practice what you preach. So we're kind of going to go through these different themes. Uh, They all kind of blend into each other, support one another, and hopefully will help us to look at the text that we've been given, build on last week's message, and help us consider what it is to be a Christian in this day and age. In reality, what it means to be a Christian hasn't changed very much, but sometimes we lose sight of it in the midst of all the other messages and teachings and culture that we are obviously a part of. Last week we said to be a Christian is to be without fear, happy and always getting into trouble. Well, I wonder how this week has been for you with that rocking around in the back of your mind. But we're going to think about that as we go through this service as well. So are you a people pleaser? Are you a God pleaser? And you know, even when I wrote that, I thought, well, actually, surely those two things happen together a lot of the time. And they do. But sometimes, sometimes we put more energy into pleasing people than into pleasing God. So like I said, it kind of builds on last week's one. But don't worry if you weren't around last week. You can go back and watch any time. But I will keep you on track with it this week. Um, So don't worry if you didn't have last week's one. Just remember, people can't save us, only God can. Our call to worship today is brought to us by Cameron and Logan, and uh, I invite them to share with you now 
one of the lectionary readings for today, a couple of verses from Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His love is eternal. Repeat these words in praise, all you whom he has saved. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His love is eternal. Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 3, reading from verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, What I do today will make all the people of Israel begin to honour you as a great man, and they will realise that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests carrying the covenant box that when they reach the river, they must wade in and stand near the bank. Then Joshua said to the people, Come here and listen to what the Lord your God has to say. As you advance, he will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites and the Girgasites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. You will know that the living God is among you when the covenant box of the Lord of all the earth crosses the Jordan ahead of you. Now choose twelve men, one from each of the tribes of Israel. When the priests who carry the covenant box of the Lord of all the earth put their feet in the water, the Jordan will stop flowing and the water coming downstream will pile up in one place. It was harvest time, and the river was in flood. When the people left the camp to cross the Jordan, the priests went ahead of them, carrying the covenant box. As soon as the priests stepped into the river, the water stopped flowing and piled up far upstream at Adam the city beside Zarathon. The flow downstream to the Dead Sea was completely cut off and the people were able to cross over near Jericho. While the people walked across on dry ground, the priests carrying the Lord's covenant box stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until all the people had crossed over. Amen. Your second reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 23, reading from verse 1. Jesus warns against the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees are the authorised interpreters of Moses' law. So you must obey and follow everything they tell you to do. Do not, however, imitate their actions, because they don't practice what they preach. They tie on to people's back loads that are heavy and hard to carry, yet they aren't willing even to lift a finger to help them carry those loads. They do everything so that people will see them. 
Look at the straps with scripture verses on them, which they wear on their foreheads and arms, and notice how large they are. Notice also how long are the tassels on their cloaks. They love the best places at feasts and the reserved seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in marketplaces and to have people call them teacher. You must not be called teacher because you are all equal and have only one teacher. And you must not call anyone here on earth father because you have only the one father in heaven. Nor should you be called leader because your one and only leader is the Messiah. The greatest one among you must be your servant. Whoever makes himself great will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be great. Amen. Thank you, Lynn, for sharing with us and opening up God's word for us. So, practice what you preach. It's a familiar phrase around here, definitely one I've heard many a time growing up, uh, even before I donned any kind of dog collar. And I wonder if after last week, any of us have been practicing what was preached. You know that living without fear, happy and always getting into trouble? Well, I hope some of it is true, and maybe you can tell me later which bits. It's been another busy week around the church, and I'm grateful for all the opportunities I've had to share the good news of Jesus. Yet I've been very conscious that this sharing is often through action rather than through word. It's been about responding to where people are at. It's been sitting listening to them or writing so much material. It's been about playing games and welcoming the stranger. It's been about meetings and ticking boxes and doing paperwork. It's been about prayer and diplomacy. Whether I've caused any trouble, well, not so far this week as far as I know, but hey, it's the beginning of a new one, so anything's possible. But I do know that perhaps we are trouble given the amount of low-level persecution we face at this time. And I wonder, when you look at the leadership of the church, what you expect to see. The Jewish people were used to their leaders strutting their stuff, acting like know-it-alls, and often demanding way more than they deserved or were entitled to. Whether it was a portion of food or praise, they always sought more. And Jesus in that text that Lynn read for us didn't miss and hit the wall. It's a very powerful text and we haven't gone into it in great detail. Um, perhaps, though, we should at some point. And he lays it out quite clearly and it's obvious why Jesus is not welcomed in the inner circle because he's certainly pulling it apart on a regular basis. And it's quite humbling to see how Jesus is about those who call themselves authorised. And it was this kind of authorization that got to me a little bit in this text, along with the very clear words, practice what you preach. A recent conversation with my mentor about my calling helps me understand this a little bit more. He asked me, who gave you your calling? And rather like 
when I ask a question out here and there's that deafening silence and I have to reassure people it's not a trick question. I wondered if it was and nervously I said, God did. Of course it was God, but sometimes we need that reminder. Hazel has to remember this, Gillian has to remember this when she is ordained on the 30th of November and we're so looking forward to celebrating that with her. You probably remember she was with us uh, last summer and uh, had a great few weeks with us then. And of course we have our own Eleanor who is in training for the ministry. They're called by God and not the Church of Scotland. You see, the Church of Scotland affirm our call, but they don't give it. They simply authorise us to use our call within the bounds of the Church of Scotland. So we're authorised to lead worship, celebrate the sacraments and so on. Think about it, in the presbytery we talk about authorising worship leaders or authorising funeral celebrants. That's the level of authorisation that I think Jesus is referring to when he speaks of the fact that we can listen to what the Pharisees have to say, but we cannot follow their example. They are authorised by their institution. They know it all, they have the head knowledge of that, there is no doubt. There are plenty in ministry who are authorised by the institution and have the head knowledge to do the job and to do it relatively well. But calling, true calling, I think, is at the heart of ministry. Pharisees and the Sadducees had lost the heart of the message. They'd made it all about rules and regulations, about status, about credentials. And they're held together by these very facets. They knew what to teach, but they didn't live by it. I had a conversation earlier with my church administrator, a very lovely lady, and for some reason we ended up talking about letters after our names, and I can't remember how we got there. Um, I think she asked how long I had to be in training for, and so I'd said seven years officially, but I managed to get away with six years at university, and then all the on training that you have to do, like Hazel is doing in her probation. So I've been through all of that. And she was like, well, what letters do you have? And I'm like, well, I've got more letters after my name than in my name because I have three different types of degrees. In fact, if I get my doctorate, which is highly unlikely, I would have the entire university set. I can have head knowledge, but I want to live with my heart. We too, as churches, can go through the motions. We can tick the boxes, we can marry the lovebirds, we can bless the babies and bury the dead. We can hold concerts and coffee mornings and hang posters that says Jesus loves you. But if we lose the heart of the message, we do not practice what we preach. If we're not able to live without fear, happy and getting into trouble, then we have lost something really significant. And that's what I love about the Joshua story. It's quite a text, uh, never mind the, the names within it. Joshua has to follow in the footsteps of Moses, and that is epic. I mean, Moses was just simply, wow. And poor Joshua has to follow in his footsteps. He has to lead these people through the promised land. And that's some set of shoes to fill. But Joshua is blessed by God. He's very much in tune 
with God. It's one of those relationships that many of us would be jealous of if we truly understood it. And here God takes the opportunity to, to cement Joshua's authorization as a leader. And it's God who is the primary mover in that, not an institution. And so it's not about us having authority. It's about us being given authority. And the only authority that counts is the one that comes from God himself. Hence, calling. It's about accepting that fact. When it becomes about us, about what we can do, about how many letters we have after our name, who we are in the pecking order, our status, whether we're conveners or moderators or have any sense of influence or hang out in that inner circle, then we've missed the point. Joshua has the most amazing ability to trust God implicitly and explicitly. And not only that, he convinces others to follow him. And that's an amazing thing to be able to do. The men carrying the Ark of the Covenant or the Covenant box, and it's a huge responsibility in and of itself. It's a massive privilege and it's a huge risk. I mean, if you read scriptures, one guy does not come off well when the Ark slips and he touches it. Um, arguably inappropriately and now they're called to walk into the flood waters Joshua tells them that this is what they must do and they do it and that is some amount of trust that is some amount of belief in your leader and Joshua has that in bucket loads you have all seen the pictures, I'm sure, over these past weeks of swollen rivers and the damage of floodwaters and the power of the currents. And we've sadly, people have died because of that. So you can visualize these rivers. I love how explicit it is in the text that they are um, swelled by the harvest rains. These are priests and Joshua tells them to wade into the river. And they do it. Do you trust those in church leadership? Within our own congregation, within the presbytery, within the institution, within the wider church as a whole. And there has been a lot of disappointment across many different levels and a real sense that trust has been eroded. And how are we going to get that back? But maybe there's something here to encourage us and maybe a journey ourselves that we need to take. Do you believe that Jesus is with the leadership? If we were to wade into the floodwaters, not literally, but metaphorically, would you lead? Would you follow? Would you stand on the riverbank? Would you turn back? Each and every one of us has to make our own decision. Here at Moncrief, we don't want to just talk a good game. And it's easy to talk a good game. We're Scottish after all, and we've got the gift of the gab. Last week, we considered briefly the first commandment and the second commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yep, got it. But they cannot just be words. We cannot just let them trip off the tongue and not live them out. That's what it means to practice what you preach. We can't say God loves everyone except so-and-so. We can't say everyone is welcome and then 
ignore or make somebody feel unwelcome because they don't quite fit. We can't say we are without fear and then are too scared to make an impact. If we don't practice what we preach, then we are no better than the Pharisees. James says in his letter that faith without action is dead. So how can we spread the gospel further? How can we live it out even when it's inconvenient? And that really is a challenge. How can we do so in a way that is humble? Because it's not about, look at me, it's about living out our faith. And these are big questions and I think we need to answer them and we need to answer them soon. So this month, and every month, but particularly this month, I want to invite you to pray, to read your Bibles and pray. Open your eyes and ask that really important question, are we practicing what we preach as individuals and as a church? And don't be arrogant and think, well, we've got it. We're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing the next thing. I mean, look at us, we've raised this, we've done that, we've achieved this, we've welcomed so-and-so. Because then we just kind of get caught up in like the same kind of ideas as the Pharisees, really, because it becomes about status and success. Joshua knew that he could not part the waters. Joshua knew that God would part the waters. He followed what God told him to do to the letter. We cannot fix the world or solve all the problems on our doorsteps, but we can live out the faith, showing those around us that we might be down, but we're not out. Jesus only healed one person at the pool of Bethsaida. It's not about numbers or success. It's about doing what God wants us to do, about pleasing God, not pleasing people. Let us remember that we are not the Messiah, the Saviour, whatever title you want to use. We are his body, called to do his work in this world. And therefore, we must listen for God and follow our heart, his heart, not just head knowledge. So in your daily life, listen for what God is saying to you, because your calling is different to mine, and every one of us has a calling. Perhaps he wants you to step up and help another or reach out a hand in forgiveness to that person that you know you wish you could. Perhaps he's placed on a calling on your life that you are trying to ignore because it feels too big. Perhaps like Hazel or Gillian or myself or Eleanor. What might happen if like Joshua or Hazel or Eleanor or Gillian or me or many others, you did actually Follow the calling God gave you. And it might be big. It might be small. This is, again, not a competition. Okay? We are who God has called us to be in the place he has called us. When you tell your friends that God loves everyone and then moan incessantly about your colleagues, is that practicing what you preach? Our calling might be much closer at hand than we realize. How do you practice what you preach? How do you welcome or resist God? And for the church, well, what does crossing the river look like for you, for me, for us? We might not know the destination, but I pray that there are enough of us courageous enough to step into the water in the first place and the rest of us even more courageous to follow and believe that God has everything in hand.
what it is to live without fear, be happy, and cause a little trouble along the way. God bless you this week. Amen. Thank you for joining with us again on the Rev Sarah Shares podcast. Do check us out on social media and look us up on our website at www.mancreefparishchurch.co.uk. Don't forget we are spelled E-I. Do get in touch, do drop us a message and I look forward to joining with you again next week with a theme on remembrance plus other things, I'm sure. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week. Bye for now.